Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets prepare for a Friday night game with Chicago and the beginning of the inaugural in-season tournament. We take a look at key categories across the NBA landscape where Brooklyn is among the best. Positive signs all around as the Nets try to get back healthy and get more wins under their belt. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets. Every single day over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie over here, Adam Armrecht. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're 100% free on all those great platforms. And reminded that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And Doug, coming off of the epic comeback in Miami, getting to 500, in-season tournament on the rise, we also have a little, uh, little reminder here. The Brooklyn Nets aren't just a fun story. They're also one of the better teams in the league by several key statistical categories. Yeah, and some of the some of the stats that uh, you you drummed up a couple of these and got a pretty good response for it. And uh, you know some of these stats, frankly, are things that we were you know worried about or or have been the Nets have not been great at. <laughs> <laughs> in the past <laughs> <You're right>. uh, <laughs> that had been sort that had been, you know, stats that had given us, you know, agita around whether or not the team was ever going to be able to perform in certain statistical categories uh, to some degree or to a lot of a degree there. Some of these are getting solved this season, even in sort of un unexpected ways when you consider some of the guys that have been out of the mix so far for Brooklyn. So uh, really yeah. cool to see. I know you're going to start throwing some of these out. You better believe it. So there was four key categories that I looked at, and there's actually individual performances here that we can talk about as well. Um, Three-point shooting is going to be something I want to get to. 118.8 points per game. That's eighth in the NBA, Doug. There's no world that any Nets fan, even the most bullish ones such as myself, thought the Nets could be a top 10 team in scoring this season. 50.1, that's the field goal percentage. Fourth in the NBA through the first four games of the season, and that includes some players struggling in their shooting performances. This is one that we thought Ben Simmons could certainly have a high impact on if healthy, 28 assists per game. That's third in the NBA. And last but not least, 47.5 rebounds per game. Top 10, ninth in the league. Those are, the, I think, the, the bookends of that are the most surprising and exciting. Being top 10 in scoring and top 10 in rebounds, those are two things that have not gone hand in hand with our perception of what this team could be this year. And I'll take you even one step further. We'll start with the scoring. Um, you know, that's points per game, which actually the Nets, are, you know, they, you could even say they're doing a little bit better than some other teams here because they don't have overtime games under the belt. Like, right, right. like all the scoring is going to count some overtime games of which there have been a few, not many so far this season. But if you look at just overall offensive efficiency, the Nets rank uh, uh, fifth right now in the league at 115.2. So that's just, you know, that's just going to go per possession and 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 smooth things out you know it doesn't matter if you played you know a, a, a billion overtime games like your efficiency is just <laughs> right. going to be your efficiency and the only teams that are above them right now boston okay well you like that by the way boston's like so far above everybody uh then yeah. dallas number two then philly number three clippers four brooklyn five and when you think about that list of the teams that are ahead of them in offensive efficiency i mean those other at least three of those teams have championship aspirations this year you know yeah. or just or deep playoff runs anything short of deep playoff runs would be 
massive disappointments for those teams. And those teams have basically, I mean, I guess Dallas hasn't had Kyrie, but those guys, those teams all have superstars and sometimes more than one, right. <laughs> like, a, like on their team. And the Nets, you know, as for as much as we like that, this team right now, I don't think we can count like, you know, anyone as into like the full superstar category, which makes it even more impressive. Yeah. Like last you know, to have this kind of offensive efficiency and to have gotten huge minutes from like Armani Brooks and Trent and Watford's of the world and Lonnie Walker playing a ton and, and things like this. It just, it's frankly makes the stat even that much more impressive. It is actually too, when you talk about the, the one eighteen point eight average being in the top 10 and then efficiency being even higher, just to your point, we know there's been some guys, maybe chief among them from a scoring perspective, Cameron Johnson, just one game played Spencer Dinwiddie, three games played, but left early in that third game, about halfway through. So when we talk about guys that have produced for them, obviously Cam Thomas has been massive, 28 points per game, but 21 for Mikhail. Armani Brooks shows up for one, already gives you 17 on that night, 16.7 for Lonnie Walker, Dorian Finney-Smith, 14, 12 for Cameron Johnson, that one game. And this is, with, by the way, 118.8, 119 points, with Spencer Dinwiddie only averaging 11 points across those three games yeah. that he played in, less than three you know, full games, 11 points for Trenton Watford bubbling up there. So on down the line you go, right? You have Royce O'Neal, Ben Simmons chip contributing as well with seven-plus points. Like I think the most encouraging thing about that number two is understanding that Cam Thomas, he has been the revelation to start this year, but had a, had a little more sluggish performance in game number four. They're doing it with everybody contributing in. It just speaks to the depth that we talked about in that post game coming out of the Miami win. It's going to have to come from more than you know the two superstars at the top. The Nets don't have that recipe like a lot of NBA teams do. So it's going to need to be some consistency, some chip-in efforts that are going to look different on a night-in, night-out basis. That's what I love the most about being among those better teams is it's point down the bench and go, now you go make a bunch of shots. Now you go give yep. us some scoring. Now you drive the paint. That's been really encouraging as well. And you mentioned, you know, field goal percentage being pretty high. They've, you know, some of that's like Cam, and they've been able to get some good shots around the basket at times. They've just been overall, overall efficient. I think you, uh, you know, you put an assist per game is going to be up mm -hmm. there. Those are all kind of highly correlated, right? Like yes. you're going to have high offensive efficiency when you're sharing the ball and when you're making your shots, right? So having the points, the rebound, sorry, the points, the assists, and the field goal percentage correlated together as higher ranking, like that all tracks, right? Like you kind of need all those things to happen in order to have your efficiency get higher. I will say one thing that is even impressive about some of the offensive efficiency, sometimes those numbers are buoyed by if you can get really sh easy shots at the basket, it's like you, you can make threes. And if you can get really easy shots at the basket, like if you have Jokic and Embiid and guys like this mm -hmm. on your team, where you just have these like sort of elite offensive guys, it, like ba basketball is just easier, right? It's easier to when you're tall and, and when you're tall and near the rim, like that's those are the easiest shots. <laughs> Secret to success for the NBA. <laughs> I mean, kind of. That's that's why centers sometimes in some statistics get ranked probably a little higher than maybe even they should be because the things they do, if you do it well, are going to get easier the closer you are to the basket. The Nets haven't even really had any guys like that on the team, right? Like their Simmons is basically their leading rebounder. Claxton's barely played. He's all ultra efficient around the rim, but he's been out. And yeah. so to not even have these like prototypical guys that help with some of these offensive metrics or just like heliocentric dudes like Luca who just make everyone better and are massive elevators, right. the, it's even more impressive to have these numbers just when you look up and down at where the minutes have gone this season. Because if you, if, if, again, for, go back four games, if we told you this is the minutes distribution for this team so far this year, anybody would have been like their own four, <laughs> right? Like there's like, there's, there's, there's no way, there's no way. It's so 
to have it even be like that is impressive. I guess we could talk about the rebounds too. Yeah, and, and just to drill down on it, we take away Dayron Sharp, Ben Simmons, Trenton Watford with his first sample size in game number four. In behind them, though, they have from Lonnie Walker, Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Cam Thomas, and Dorian Finney-Smith. All of those players are from 48 to 55% from the field, taking away something that we'll discuss here in a second. We're going to get into the rebounding, but another key stat that when you see this type of field goal percentage, given the struggles by certain players from beyond the arc, it should again further illustrate that this team is still scratching the surface about the type of team they can be consistent, consistently excuse me, at both ends of the floor. We'll dive in on that coming up next. All right, before we get into that, I'm going to tell you about our friends over on Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made so, so easy. All you're doing on prize picks is you're picking different players, you're picking stats, you're going more or less than the prize picks projections. So you're not, you know, trying to wrangle salaries together. You're not just trying to, you know, mix and match all these different pieces to make sure they fit into one unique lab. No, you're just taking more or less on the different numbers that prize picks has thrown out there. Maybe you know better. And sometimes, definitely in some cases, you're going to. It's just that easy to put together, you know, two to five different combinations. They've even hooked it up where you can have specials leagues where you can go across sports because they got every sport on there, right? Just you'll go filter through all the different sports. You'll see everything's on there. But maybe you're trying to enjoy a little Sunday where you know there's going to be some hoops and NFL action. Put a specials together where you can combine some of that football with some of the basketball as well. All the things you love wrapped into one tidy little basket. Prize Picks has figured all this stuff out, made it really easy, took the most fun parts of fantasy and put it together. They even have a reboot policy. So your entries are going to stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. You're not going to find that. I believe me. I've been around these streets for a long time. You're not finding that anywhere else but Prize Picks. You go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Let me just tell you this again. Prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on NBA for a, pro- a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks is daily fantasy made easy. All right. So as we continue the conversation around how gosh darn good these Brooklyn Nets are, one of the other things that, that came to mind here as well and talking about a 50.1 field goal percentage. Okay. That's great. But then you go in and you think about the three point shooting, which we've talked about. And now when you look back and you say, well, Armani Brooks comes in and he's absolutely phenomenal. And you've been having a really good performance from Dorian Finney-Smith this season. Right now, he's at 48.1% from deep. But if I remind you that Mikhail Bridges is shooting 31.6% from beyond the arc, that Cam Thomas is shooting just 30% from beyond the arc this season, that Cam Johnson in his one game has only only gave you 25% on one of four from the field. Even Spencer Dinwiddie, he had a good, he's had a good run, 44% for him. But, but, the fact that two of the guys that you would have listed and they, they've had good games in their own right, Cam Thomas had an excellent start to a season. The fact that Mikhail Bridges and Cam Thomas are struggling from beyond the arc and this team is still hitting at a high percentage. And if you go look at the, by the NBA stats, their three-point shooting is not abysmal. It needs to improve. And they're scoring 118, 119 points per game. Like I, That could not be any more encouraging. I understand. I think your easy pushback would be, but you have gotten a five of six performance from Lonnie, uh, from uh, Armani Brooks here. So things are getting skewed kind of healthy where they should be. Yeah, I was joking uh, like after the game. I was like, you know, Cam Thomas and Mikhail, uh, Mikhail Bridges have each hit six three-pointers in like 120 and 140 minutes. And then Armani hit five in 16 minutes. <laughs> and by the way, Armani Brooks, who was told by an assistant coach, the reporter asked him afterwards, did you know you were a plus 30? He goes, no. One of the assistant coaches came up and told me, and he goes, man, that's nuts. And in only 16 minutes, like Armani Brooks was both shocked yeah. and, man, you know, pretty self-congratulatory. They know. And they should be counting too, man. These guys, you got to count all these stuff. These two-way contracts, you never know. Like these 
guys are hanging by NBA threads. And so it's really awesome when that, when they absolutely go off. No, look like they're getting a lot. This is why I said at the beginning, if we showed you the list of the guys who had gotten minutes, we would have, we would have had no qualms about going way under on the win total. Cause we're like, Hey, it's gone way off the rails here, but they've gotten so much from these guys that it's awesome because it's going to come back with like, with the shooting with Mikhail. Like it's, you know, these guys are going to round out some of their efficiency. It's just going to basketball almost, unless there's like major injuries, kind of everyone regresses to their mean at some point. They just, you just need enough time on the court. Right. And sometimes it can take a little while. Like sometimes the sample size needs to get for something like the shooting and stuff, like some of the other things kind of get there a little quicker, but the shooting yeah, sometimes it's going to take 10, 10 games, 15 games, like a lot of shots to get you all the way there. Um, and I think because we know that Thomas um, and, you know, to more to more of a degree, Mikhail are going to play a lot of minutes for this team, you're not really worried about it. And it's like a little concern that some of the FIBA guys have all come out a little slow. I heard Nate Duncan talking about this the other day, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, maybe that is. Like all, a lot of these FIBA guys maybe just was a lot of game, a lot of balling over the summer in a way that they're not used to, and maybe there's a little fatigue. I think that could be like a little real, but also I'm not well, sure not it for, totally can for Cameron Johnson. He hasn't played. He's been, he's been mostly. Well, you know, I, okay, well, so you can't, although you the can't impact make, is that it, he's it's prevented him from playing at all. Right. You don't make Yeah. You don't make all the shots you don't take, I suppose. But like the, <laughs> uh, the, but the, but so, but in, in general though, if a guy has shot a certain percentage for their career, short of something crazy happening one way or the other, they're going to come around to it. I'm really not worried about that piece of it for those guys out really at all. No. And the last one here for me, before we're going to turn our attention to some injury updates around uh, the Friday night game, obviously, and it's the in-season tournament. And I I genuinely do want Brooklyn Nets fans. I think NBA fans should be excited for this tournament as well. So we'll get into that. But the other one is the rebound category. Yeah. When you sit here and the Nets have 47 and a half rebounds per game, they are sniffing being a top six team effectively all the way up with the likes of Phoenix, New Orleans. And as you said, the Boston Celtics in many categories are just head and shoulders above everybody else at 52.3. We know that without Nicholas Claxton, again, this is the old, if you told me X, there's no way I would think Y. If you told me that Nicholas Claxton had missed three out of the four games for the Brooklyn Nets, I would be hard pressed to sit here and tell you, let alone if he had been healthy, I might have said, I don't know if they're a top 15, top 20 team in rebounds because they don't have the personnel. We mentioned this in the Miami post game, this new team mentality about gang rebounding. And I think the presence maybe of that transition game and the pace of play they want to get into has at least given the opposition pause about over committing guys to crash the glass for second chance opportunities. And it's just yielded great results for them. This is something, by the way, out of all these things, that has been surprising and the Nets need to find a way to make sure this sticks. This is it. They need to find a way to keep themselves as a top 10 ish type of rebounding team and win the rebounding battles night overnight, because I think that that's critical to them being able to win some of these close games, that Miami game, they don't come back if they're not winning the rebound battle in the second half of that game. Yeah. I mean, Simmons has made a huge difference here. Like we knew he was a good rebounder. We knew that it was going to, you know, raise the overall rebounding floor just to have him in the mix. That, that part isn't known. He's been really one of the best rebounders per minute in basketball though. Like that is a little surprising to me. I just, I did a little quick dive on this before. just looked at his per minute rebounding, his per minute rebounding this year. And it was like for guys who played real minutes, like a hundred over 110 or 120 minutes. I think I filtered it by, he was like, I think sixth, in the league and in, in, in rebounds per minute and everyone else above him was a dead true center. It was like Embiid, Jokic, 
Jonas Valanciunas, like guys that are just like no doubt about whether or not they're a center. I, I don't think there was any guy that didn't live with it, like within that filter above. And then there's Simmons. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to rebound like this, then yeah, they have a chance to just probably stick around this rate. Like he is just that good of a rebounder and you get, unlike those other guys, you get doubled up on the upside on that because he's also uh, a pace pusher also. So when he sure. rebounds, you are already, you know, seemingly starting your offense sort of a step ahead because you don't need an outlet pass and, and he can make the outlet pass, but, or he can just push the pace. We, I, this is actually why I loved, like, I actually always liked when guys like Russ or even Harden was pretty good about rebounding too. Like when they would rebound, I just thought it's a, such an advantage to have guards that rebound really well yeah. because you're already one step out the door in terms of getting up. Like, you know, you're already one step ahead right as opposed to just having one of your big guys center and then they're going to trail the play they're always going to be behind it's going to they're going to be hard to fast break with it right if you have a guard that can rebound it's just it just has a great double bottom line to it so he's been great 10 more than 10 rebounds a game the minutes aren't even crazy like i said his permanent stats are great and this is him plus these other guys all being like good at it yeah <laughs> right like once he's there like Dorian Finney Smith Oh, he's been okay, right? Like, there's Royce's even rebounded pretty well. It's all, it's all just kind of, it's all kind of working together. Oh yeah, and I was gonna say, you know, you go and look. I, I look at a team like Toronto. Their top three rebounders are combined for 27 rebounds per game, and then you have some guys trickle down. So it's eight, nine, and ten rebounds per game. When you get into the Brooklyn Nets, obviously Claxton's gonna be listed up there, but it's just the one game with seven. So it's you sit there and look at 10.3 per game for Ben Simmons. Let's skip over Claxton for the moment. Royce O'Neal, six and a half. Guess what? That's a rebound and a half more than he averaged last year. Six for Mikhail Bridges. That's a rebound and a half than he was averaging last year. You mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith with five and a half. Dayron Sharp, Dayron Sharp in his very small minutes is still giving you five and a half rebounds. So, And then Cameron Johnson again with five. Like That's what I think it really is critical here and why we always talk about, oh, well, they're instituting this new idea, this new you know, new scheme, this new fundamental. Well, we're going to be gang rebounding. And, and by the way, the Brooklyn Nets and the coaching staffs in years past have said some of the same things. Well, we're going to be everyone's team effort. Everyone's got to get in there. And then nobody really gets in there and they get blown away and there's second chance opportunities. You're like, yeah, great. You talked about it, but there wasn't the results. This year so far, you are seeing especially the smaller guard play has stepped back into that area of the court and commanded getting that ball. And what I've loved about it is that you mentioned Ben Simmons is every single time almost to a man, when Ben Simmons is on the court and he's not the guy that gets the rebound, getting that ball into his hands off of the rebound is about as quick as you can want the decision-making to be because he's launching those three-quarter court passes or I'll use this last game as the example and why Trendon Watford, who pitched in four rebounds in that game, or you have an extra ball handler, a guy that himself, everybody wants to push this tempo. You saw it when Spencer Dinwiddie was healthy on the on the court. You saw it from Trendon Watford in that game. If you can ball handle and you can get that rebound, get out and start moving. So these things are so married to one another in terms of their successes. And I think if we see one of these things struggle, if we see an off game, you'll probably be able to connect all these little threads and say, why did three-point shooting suffer a little in this game? Well, They didn't get the rebounds as much on the defensive glass. So the transition game wasn't there. So the open looks weren't possible. Right. So I, I, I just, I I've been really impressed by it, man. And and I hope that it carries over here when we think about a blend of four games that really does represent a sample size of quality opponents. 
I was muted there. Another thing that the other reason that this works out really well, too, because like you think about the things that just drove us crazy last year, opponent's second chance points, which is a direct reflection of how well you're rebounding. Right. When yes. you can't rebound, the opponent's second chance points uh, are just going to be there a plenty, which they have been against the that's in the past. And that's ranked 25th. Uh, that's in a bad way. Right. <laughs> 25th and opponent's second chance points. This year, they moved themselves up to 12th. Like that right. is. A, a noticeable difference and it's yep. because they're able they're just they're getting on the glass more and there's just not as few opportunities right we talked about this like when they're not switching with this onto the smaller guards with claxton like the, those were rebounding chances that were just too easy for the teams last year they don't have as many of those guys this year in those switching schemes to just get brutalized on the switch on the bigs and it's it's really helping so get into we'll get into the in-season tournament here stuff in a second we'll get into the injury news as well uh we'll get into that here in one second before we do that, tell you about our friends over on FanDuel. You're going to score early this season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Now, if you were here the other day, you know that over on FanDuel, we were giving out the money line bet on the Nets over the, the Heat. And probably at halftime, you're not feeling so great about that one. Uh, that's okay. You're going to get a second chance at this bad boy when they take on the Bulls on Friday against Chicago over on FanDuel uh, right now. The Nets are, let me have it here, plus 150 on that money line. Book plus it. Four, uh, sorry. <laughs> plus four in the spread. This is what we're talking about with these money line bets over on FanDuel. It's not just there. They got spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. You're going to grab that 150 bucks If your team wins, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the season now. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. All right, so as we continue to wrap up our Locked on Nets episode, talking about some of the, the key stats that have really helped the Brooklyn Nets get to 500. Maybe they could have been 4-0. Listen, we don't worry about the past. We glide ever so gracefully into the future. And remind everybody, by the way, that when Chicago, when the Nets go to Chicago, I should say, to take on the Bulls at 8 p.m. tonight, you can go ahead and head over to SiriusXM, search Nets, and get in on all the game action. That's over on the Sirius XM app, Search Nets. All right. The last thing here is first quickly, or not so quickly, but questionable for the game as of the time of this recording on Thursday night. Dinwiddie left ankle sprain. Smith Jr. left hip contusion. But beyond that, we know that Claxton will be out with the ankle sprain. Cam Johnson will be out with the left caster. And we know it's a reevaluation 10-day for him. And then Clowney and White had just listed on their G League assignment, along with uh, Keon Johnson, who the Nets officially signed to two-way, but he'll be in the G League as well. Do you feel like, what is your pressure point on? We know the reevaluation for Cameron Johnson, but like, I kind of want to get Spencer Dinwiddie into the mix of this because I feel like the, the balance that comes back to these rotations and the little bit of alleviation of pressure on saying Armani Brooks to go, now do it again. Now go five for six again. You want to get one of these players back and the other one being Dennis Smith Jr. Even, you know, you can get some defensive value there too. Yeah, you want your good players back. I mean, that's not like a difficult equation to try to just <laughs> you want them. You want better or less. More. Or I, more I know good? that people Actually. sometimes have a you know love hate relationship with guys like Dinwiddie. I've always been a little confused by that, but okay. Um, but regardless, like he's been a he is an important piece to them. He's a really super versatile guy, and they're they they're desperate sort of for another ball handler too. Like I, they yeah. just really do need one. I know these guys have really played well, but the ball they really have limited ball handling. 
uh, up and down the roster. We've seen it at times too. Like, you know, when they are having trouble getting it over, when they're having trouble getting over half court, like multiple times last night, late in the game against the heat, they have to take Simmons off the, off the court in these late game sequences sometimes because of the foul shooting. And when that happens, like they're really kind without Dinwiddie, they are kind of under it here in terms yeah. of guys who can really handle the ball. So I don't think there's desperate to get him back, but I think it's been pretty glaring when he's not around because you really kind of need one of him and Simmons on the court a lot, really, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they work well together too. So of those guys, I'd really like to get them back. I'm hoping it's going to be quick. I think, I think you said he's listed PR said he's listed questionable for tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Um, I wonder that's questionable, closer to doubtful because sometimes with, when these guys are ruled out, like he was ruled out, very like early well, ahead of the Miami well in advance yes. of the game. Yes. And I, I don't know, sometimes maybe it's a little tea leavy, but I followed this injury stuff for a long time. And sometimes the timing matters. And if it's like way in advance, it just means they're not that close. And I just yeah. do wonder if he's not that close. And we already know with cam, you know, we're in a reevaluation standpoint. It looks like Claxton tracking for Saturday. So we'll see. We'll see how some of this goes. That being the case, the last thing we want to close out on is something that I, I I I don't understand why. If you are someone that covers the NBA, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it, who say, "Talk to me in a decade about the in-season tournament." That's when we'll know whether or not fans care about it and whether or not it's successful. Well, you know how you help it make it matter and be successful is talk about it mattering and being successful now. Like the Nets come into Friday night against Chicago, it'll be their first in-season tournament game. They're going to have a few of these. Basically, they'll all be the group stage done by the end of November. So they'll start with Chicago tomorrow night or Friday night when you're hearing this. Then Friday the 10th, they'll take on the Celtics. They'll also have the Magic on the 14th. And then all the way at the end of November, they'll get the Raptors. Now, just from a pure basketball standpoint and season record, the Nets need to beat the Chicago Bulls. The first four games tell you that they can go, they can go against teams like this and they can get the wins. So even regardless of some of the injury concerns, need to go get the win. Also, from a team standpoint that is not necessarily destined for a deep playoff run as we see them right now, you can put an incredibly strong foot forward by beating Chicago and getting the win before you eventually play Boston inside of this group stage as well. I I want fans to be excited about this, even if the courts are heinous. And by the way, the Nets are going to be rocking a very upsetting uh, like city uniform this season. And these two yeah. things together is borderline visually unpalatable. Nevertheless, you should I got I got on Nets fans that texted me about the uniform those uniforms. They it was like a group it's chat nice. that I'm in with other with other guys and they're not Nets fans. Like they're just kind of like sort of tangential NBA fans and they sent me pictures of those Nets uniforms and it was it was yeah and hey, I you know me this? buddy. I'm I'm like not colorblind but it's like whatever 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 is right next to colorblind. And even I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> very very upsetting very upsetting yeah so they will be in chicago for this one and actually chicago's version of the in-season tournament court just looks better because it's the it's red and then like an off tone of red so it actually isn't isn't the worst in the world but do you do you agree i mean do you care about the in-season tournament like I, we talked about this in the off season i just think that when you look back on this after the first year second year third year fourth year every year and i come from a soccer background there's always there's always a a team that wins the league and then a team that wins an in-season tournament. And that comes with cachet. It comes with accolades. In the NBA's instance, it comes with more money for these players. So this team uniquely for a lot of these guys actually is probably positioned to really want to get these because a lot of them will see a nice little bump in their paycheck if they get out of the group stage and make some noise. I just don't know why it pays to not to complain about it. Like that, that's that's the one that I'll never really understand. That's good. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll just never understand. I can understand not loving it, but then just – 
just don't care about it. Like, I, I, there's no, there's, there's no reason to lobby a complaint at all. Uh, yes. That makes no sense to me. The games are the games. A couple teams are going to play extra games. That sounds fun to me. I'm pro more basketball. I'm <laughs> anti less basketball. So, like, if you're just, if you, I'm pro more games, maybe counting. And, and look, we've already seen one thing. I know there was like some complaints, but we're already seeing that those rules around the start, the, the stars playing, like that's starting to work. Like, yep. Kawhi and PG just play back to backs. Those guys haven't played back to back since like my first the kid 90s. was born. It doesn't feel like, <laughs> like it's like it, it feels it feels forever. And Bead played out back to back. Like Booker, Booker's pushing to get back. Like I think it is kind of working. They were questionable, but th- these guys are kind of playing. So if the if the in season tournament can just be part of this push to just get these guys playing more, because you know, newsflash, that's the goal. Like yeah, let's just go for it, right? Like I, I don't see any reason to complain about it. And the last thing I'll make, I'll make a note about why it can matter for Brooklyn as well is for Mikhail Bridges, a guy that wants to take that next leap forward. I think a games like these will matter. I think you actually influence the idea of all-star status and where you are in the pecking order. And then for Cam Thomas, who's already vaulted himself over several guys in terms of most improved in terms of six man, all those things for him, like he can stake a claim at the end of this year. Like, Hey, not only what I did all season long, but in the in-season tournament, which is the closest thing that we could get to like high leverage basketball relative to, you know, deep playoff runs. Cam Thomas can say, oh, also go look. We all, I stepped up here. Ben Simmons can say this. I haven't been healthy in two years. Watch me go lead my team in these in-season tournaments. So I think there's just going to be a certain group of teams that view these games as being that much more valuable. And it's going to make it more fun. We're talking about game number five, and you're going to see a level of intensity that you usually don't get until the Christmas Day game sometimes. And it folds right into what you said. These guys having to play. Stars having to play more. Guess what? Once they're on the court, they take it as seriously as they as they always do. So it's just making, I think, everything a little bit ratcheted up more because you're getting more star-on-star battles. Exactly. And again, I'll just go back to my original point before we get out of here. I'll just never understand why you would not like it. <laughs> like, yeah, I just, yeah. like, I just don't, I'll never hear, I can never hear the parts like, well, it's dumb. Well, who cares then? Just shut up and do something else. Like, like the part where you complain about it is the part that never makes sense to me. That's why, that's why I've been very consistent with that aspect. I think we both are. It's like, yeah. okay, you don't like it. Go, go down the road and do something else then. <laughs> and let people that like watching basketball go see if they're going to like it. Because the part where it's like, well, I don't think it's going to work. Well, it could. I don't who who knows. Like I just right, if you find right, yourself right. if you find yourself saying things like it's not gonna matter, it can matter it's if we make it work. matter. It can <laughs> matter if we try to make it matter, right? Yep. Like it's not gonna work. Well, that there's a there's a there's a wide range for what that even means. Like I just don't <laughs> I'll just never understand the part where people just get mad about it. They just say you're just be, be try to be happier in your life. These these things shouldn't these things are not this isn't we're not splitting the atom here, it's basketball. My favorite thing is when I get Doug just a little bit tweaked on something, and usually it comes down to things like this. Don't be so black and white. Doug doesn't appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get a hard time limit here, and we're about to go over it because <laughs> now, because now I'm the one. <laughs> like I have to, I have a very, very hard deadline to get out of here. Wrap if you want, gonna, Doug. Wrap if you want. Good job, good job, I had of getting me just you know percolating right before the end. All right, we're gonna get out of here. Make sure um, you are both on YouTube and on the podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts. We're doing special episodes on both. Uh, pre-game stuff over on the podcast feed and post-game stuff over on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast and over on YouTube. Also join subtext.com slash Lockdown Nets. Just get on to the text in action with Adam and I all day long talking Brooklyn Nets basketball. If we knew what we were doing, it would not be called research, would it? That's Bertie Einstein. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. Oh, RIP. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.